BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. A winter collapse. It was just underneath, just like a mountain of snow. Leads to a spring and summer of frustration. They're like, it's not denied, but it's just kind of in a waiting period. Plus, an expensive ambulance bill. Wasn't me, but I got the bill. For a man who's never even been in an ambulance. Everyone I've talked to said, well, we'll take care of this. We understand. Well, no one's taking care of it. This week on Open Record, Contact 6 helps two consumers who say, it's not my fault. From the Fox 6 Studios, this is Open Record. I'm Brian Polson, and I am here with Jenna Sachs. Contact 6 is Jenna Sachs. Hey, Jenna, how are you? I'm good. How are you? It's good to have you back on here. We are recording this episode on Wednesday, July 26th for release on Thursday, July 27th. And we're going to talk about a couple of stories today that involve consumers facing some financial scares or hardships, even though they had nothing to do with it or didn't do anything wrong. We're going to start with a case that dates back to last winter when a section of a parking garage, a lot of us remember this, it's you know, 97 degrees out now, but there was snow back then and section of parking garage at Bayshore Bay Shore Shopping Center collapses and it crushes a small number of cars and then stranded a whole bunch of others up on like the second floor of that parking garage. You talked to the owner of one of the cars that was actually crushed by the falling concrete Thankfully, she wasn't in the car. I think there was a lot of fortune here that nobody got hurt in the situation, but it's still an issue she's dealing with all these months later. What prompted her to reach out to Contact 6 in the first place? So Cassie and her mother had reached out to Fox 6 asking if there was anything that could be done for the people who were impacted by the parking structure collapse who hadn't received any insurance money yet or were still owed money for damage to their vehicles that wasn't covered. And in Cassie's case, she hadn't gotten any money, period, uh, since this had happened. And it was taking a toll on her because she's a recent college graduate. She doesn't have a lot of savings um, that she can use to buy another car. And in the meantime, she's been borrowing cars, uh, paying people to use their cars, paying for their gas and all sorts of things to try to get to her job and back. And she was saying, I understood that it would be difficult for a little while, but now it's been three months later, four months later, and I'm still in this position where I can't go get another car. She had a 2008 Hyundai Santa Fe. It was so this wasn't worth some luxury vehicle or anything like that, but for no. her, this is her way to get around. Absolutely. And I think we all know what it's like to be a recent college grad. You're just trying to make ends meet. You're sure. at the beginning of being an adult and she could really use that money to get a vehicle. And also at that age, you're probably not super familiar with navigating these complex insurance situations. And this one was especially complicated because the first question when a parking garage collapses like that is, okay, who's responsible for this? And I think that's still something that it is maybe up in the air, right? Absolutely. And Cassie doesn't even really have an answer to that question, but she wants someone to figure it out. She wants the adults to come together and figure it out. So basically, there is Bayshore, which is owned by Cypress Ventures, and there is also Winter Services LLC, which was clearing the snow. And at this point, Cassie has filed a claim with 
the insurance provider for Cypress Ventures. They, Bayshore's owner, right? Exactly. Okay. And they said, we had a third party look into this. They investigated and found there's no legal liability or negligence on our part. You should file a claim with Western National, which is the insurance carrier for winter services, implying that they are to blame. So she went to them and was told that it could be several months while they work out this investigation and try to figure out if they're liable. And she was saying, where does this leave me? She's one of those people who suffered a lot of financial loss because of this. And she's saying, well, what do I do in the meantime? Now, so you have Bayshore owns the parking garage, I guess, right? The structure itself. The question becomes who's responsible. Did they do something? Was the garage not in proper repair or, or condition? Was it what winter services did as they were piling up the snow? Did that somehow cause this? Is that sort of what's at issue here is really sort of whose fault was this? I think so. I mean, there have been a lot of fingers pointed at this point. There have been arguments um, made that winter services was piling really heavy snow and what was possibly one of the weakest Points of the and structure. if we remember, this was a really heavy, wet snow too, right? This wasn't just your light, fluffy, typical winter snow in Wisconsin. This was a very heavy, wet snow that was like concrete to shovel. Right. There were some estimates that the the weight of that snow in the pile was maybe 120 tons. But Fox 6 actually did a separate story with the former snowplow company for that structure. They had had a contract for something like 10 years, and they said they used to push the snow to the sides, to the edges where it was stronger. Where there's stronger. more support, you would think. Right, yeah. Right, but even then, they felt the need to get the snow out quickly, and they had said that it was a wrong decision to put the snow in the middle. So that's one argument. But you, we don't know if there were structural issues. We haven't been able to see any of those records. Um, I know that the city of Glendale, its mayor has asked that there be some laws changed to require more inspections of private par parking structures. But at this point, it's all speculation because this is probably something that's going to court and will be argued there. Well, that was my question. Has Cassie actually filed a lawsuit over this or has she just been trying to work through the insurance companies for each of these uh, places? She's trying to work through the insurance companies. If she'd had a different insurance uh, different type of insurance coverage. She had something called liability insurance, which means uh, they only cover issues where you're at fault. So that could be damage to another vehicle. It could be damage to property. It could be someone else's medical bills if you hurt them. Uh, it could be their lost wages, all sorts of things. But that's when you're at fault. I think we know Cassie's not at fault. If she had comprehensive insurance, for example, her insurance carrier probably would have reimbursed her and then gone after but they on would their do own. the work of going to settle who's responsible for this and should they be reimbursed but we, as you mentioned all along in this she's a college student and how many of us at that age are thinking okay i know i have to have insurance i can't afford a lot what can i do and a liability only policy is obviously more affordable than a comprehensive policy that as we exactly. get further into our careers we're all more likely to say yeah i think i need that Exactly. And it's a learning experience for everybody. We mentioned that in our story because I think it's just a, a good reminder about the limitations of that kind of policy. But again, it's an affordability thing. She's not the only one, of course, who lost no. money in this whole situation. There were many people who were without their vehicles who had to get rental cars. Mm -hmm. Do we know where any of that stands? I mean, is, are, are others still pursuing claims as well? Is there a potential for a larger group or class class action type of lawsuit? We have heard some rumblings about it. I don't know if anything has happened yet. Cassie had said there was some discussion of it. We do know the victims sent out a statement. They call themselves the Bayshore victims. 
at the title of the press release they sent out saying, we think Bayshore is responsible because they hired this company. They should be responsible for their vendor. And they were calling on Bayshore to reimburse them and then go after the winter services if they feel they're responsible. But Cassie had one of the worst damaged vehicles. If you watch the police body cam from their initial response, which is fascinating to see how they manage that whole ordeal. They're really focused on two cars that were parked on a ramp uh, leading up to the upper deck. One of them is Cassie's and someone else's and their cars just got hit by huge chunks of concrete. Cassie called her car like a half pancake. Yeah, it really is. It, it almost looked like something out of uh, I'm a big fan of the National Lampoon's vacation. But when they bring the car back from where it's been crushed and they wheel it out and it's just flat. I mean, it was flat. That was what the other car actually pretty much looked like. And there was a lot of concern when the first responders were there around those two vehicles. They didn't think anyone was in there, but they didn't know for sure. And there was a lot of snow on top as well. So there was a lot of effort to try to determine if someone was inside. And thank goodness nobody was inside because there's, oh my gosh, no chance that someone could have survived concrete. That yeah, I, I think horrific. this would have probably been a, a an even, it was a big story at the time that mm -hmm. it happened. But I think it would have been a much bigger story and the concerns over questions of inspections and, and fault might have been uh, amplified had there been somebody injured or, or, or worse yet killed. I think there was great fortune that there was mm -hmm. no human cost here other than the, the cost of the damage to the vehicles and, and being without them. But as you said, for Cassie, I'm sure she's grateful she wasn't in that car. She still needs to get around. Where is she on this now? She's pretty much waiting to hear from Western National to wrap up their investigation. Maybe Western National will say, we determined that we're responsible. That's the snow removal company's insurance exactly. company. For okay. Winter Services LLC. That's a possibility. Or they could say, in our investigation, we uncovered this information about the parking structure. And this is why we feel like we're not liable. And then, of course, this will go to court. We spoke with an attorney for this case who's not involved, but he does handle insurance claims. And he said this is going to be a complex case because not only is whoever responsible going to pay for these auto issues and the damages to these people who own the cars, they have to pay for the repair to the structure. Likely, we know that's already happened and that's not cheap either. So there are other damages that could be factored in. Maybe Bayshore will argue they've suffered damage to their reputation because of this. So there's a lot that could be bundled into a lawsuit like that, and that will not be quickly resolved. So there's a very potentially expensive legal battle that's still to be resolved between Bayshore and its insurer and Winter Services and its insurer potentially. But caught in the middle are all these people who comparatively may have small dollar issues, but big, big dollars to them. Mm -hmm. And Cassie's still one of them. She is. And she's one of the um, worst impacted, I think, who suffered the greatest losses. Other people had rental car costs, as you mentioned, but they were able to get their vehicles out eventually. Cassie never got her vehicle back. She didn't even pay to tow it out. Bayshore eventually had to tow it out to a different structure, and she doesn't have her car. How's she getting around these days? Does she have another? She doesn't have another car She's yet? She's been borrowing her mom's car, her boyfriend's car, other people's vehicles, but it's it's an extra stress. That'll wear thin getting after around. a while for everyone, I'm sure. They, yeah, I'd like to see this resolved. Yeah, absolutely. No. Luckily, she wasn't there. She was working at the pet apothecary on Silver Spring nearby, so she, she has a job. She's working at it. But, you know, she's just out of college. You had a, one other piece of information in the story that I hadn't heard prior to this. What was interesting was when you look at the garage itself, we still have the mm. question of you know, why did this fail in the way that it did and could it have been prevented and all that sort of thing. And there was something you mentioned about a, a snow chute that was actually on the plans for the building but wasn't 
There, well, what did you, what, what's that all about? Yeah, so if you go back through the building plans that went to the city of Glendale back when this parking structure was going up, there were um, sketches that included a snow chute on the side. And if you walk around or drive around Bayshore's property, you'll notice that the other two major parking structures have snow chutes. They're like a, a half circle in shape on the side of the building. And the idea is that a truck waits below and you push all the snow into the chute and it just kind of funnels down into the truck. So that kind of raises the question of why, why wasn't there a snow chute? I asked some questions about that um, to the city of Glendale. I asked Bayshore, I didn't get a response, but that's just another, what's that about, right? There's another sure. question we have, why, what happened to the snow chute? Why wasn't that, there? Would it have made a difference? I just wonder with that snow chute, you know, it, that was such a heavy, wet snow, would that have clogged a shoot like that? I, mean, I guess we we don't know, but it is interesting to know that there was the possibility they could have had some other option and and for whatever reason it wasn't there. And unfortunately, we haven't gotten the answer to why it's not there. Is that, do we expect to learn more? I mean, I guess this really all depends on whether or not there does end up being a lawsuit where all of it gets, this gets played out in court. I think that's exactly where this might be headed. And I think we'll get a lot more details at that point. But at this uh point in time i guess it's all just speculation there's a lot of educated guesses going on but absolutely speculation well we hope cassie gets a resolution soon speaking of people who didn't do anything wrong this next person we're going to talk about um you know cassandra certainly didn't do anything or cassie didn't do anything to cause that collapse the next person we're going to talk about didn't do anything wrong either in fact he didn't do anything at all um carl hackbarth is his name he got stuck with a big bill for an ambulance ride he never took what happened here? This was an interesting one. So uh, Carl reached out to us because he's never been in an ambulance. He's never been taken to a hospital in an ambulance, yet he kept getting bills for ambulance rides. First, he got a bill from his insurance provider saying, you owe $100. We've covered the rest of this ambulance ride. He called them up and said, no, 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 I've never taken an ambulance ride. Then he got a bill from the uh, billing services for the ambulance provider, Kiwani Area Ambulance, for the full $1,800 for the ride. So his bill actually went from $100 to $1,800. He called them up, explained it, thought everything was taken care of, and then he got a call from a collections, note, a collections agency, a debt collector. And he said, oh my gosh, this is just not going away. So he called us and said, I have a theory about what's going on here, but I, I need your help. So he, when he called you, he didn't know for sure, but he thought he knew what was going on. What strikes me about this is you get ambulance bill type complaints from time to time, but typically there are people who actually had a ride in ambulance. Absolutely. We, we did a story recently, a couple of stories about people who are alleging that they were overpaying for ambulance rides. Those rides were much more than $1,800. That wasn't the issue here. The issue here is that Carl said, I didn't take this ride. So what was his theory and how did you go about finding out if it was true? So Carl thinks that there, he thought there was another gentleman out there named Carl Hackbarth. And he thought this because several months prior, in his patient portal, you know how we have all these apps now on our phones where we can track our medical records, he had been sent some test results for another Carl Hackbarth that didn't match his... That's already a red flag and a concern, is. especially with HIPAA. Right. So he, he saw that, knew it wasn't him. He notified them at the time. So he thought it must be the same situation. And uh, we looked into it and he was right. 
It was, so how did you determine that it was this other Carl Hackbarth who actually went in the ambulance? So first we reached out to Aurora because what had happened, and we could put this together from the ambulance uh, bill that Carl had provided us, but we also confirmed it independ independently. So back in, oh gosh, July, oh gosh, of last year maybe, I'm not 100% sure, but there was a... A, a gentleman named Carl Hackbarth who was golfing in Kiwani County, and he had a medical emergency, and he was taken by ambulance to uh, a Aurora Baycare Medical Center in Green Bay. And then Carl Hackbarth in Greendale got a bill. So that's what we know so far. Actually, it was. I, I recall from yeah. watching. So yeah. it was, he's at the golf course. The other Carl Hackbarth yeah. is at the golf course. Has some sort of medical emergency. Ends up being taken by ambulance to Green Bay. Um, and and my first thought in hearing that is, how did you find that out? Because that's all medical information. It's not as though you could have Googled this or gone somewhere and found his medical records. How did you find out what happened to the other Carl Hackbart? Well, we knew where the pickup location was and we looked it up and it was a golf course and we did travel there. But at that point, we already had pieced together what had happened because I reached out to Aurora and Aurora, we had explained our theory about what had happened and they responded very quickly and said, you know, we take seriously privacy and making sure people's information is accurate. So they had uh, called Carl shortly after we reached out and said, we've spoken with the billing services for the ambulance provider. Your bill is waived. It's done. Don't worry about it. So Carl was very happy. So we already knew that. And then we went two hours north to Kiwani County. We visited this golf course and we set about trying to find the other Carl Hackbarth to confirm what had happened. And we actually did find him. And what did he have to say when you showed up at his door? He was very nice. He was actually working outside on his property at the time. He has the same name, same spelling of the name, different middle initial, and they're about the same age. So perhaps that's where some of this confusion came in. But he basically confirmed that he'd had a medical emergency. He didn't want me to share what it was because that's private. But he was taken to the hospital and he thought that it was over with. Shortly before I visited him, maybe a week or two before, he had gotten a call from his insurance saying, hey, just so you know, there was an issue with your ambulance ride back then. And we just want to let you know it's been taken care of. You don't have to worry about it. But there was an issue with the bill. Now it's taken care of. Was he at any point wondering why did I never get a bill for that? Or do a lot of people just not even realize I might get a bill for the ambulance ride in the first place? He didn't put it together, to be honest. He probably had a lot of bills at that time. And he had just had an issue. So I, I don't think it was on his radar. What I wonder about with in terms of how this can happen, though, is I get that the names are the same, the first and last name. You said the middle initial is different. I assume the date of birth is different, even mm -hmm. though they might be similar in age. Did you ever get any sort of explanation as to how a mix up like this happens? Is it just a careless mistake somewhere in an office? I'm assuming it was some sort of human error or clerical error involved, but it was an easy one to fix. But you're right. There are some some concerns there about privacy, about making sure hospitals have the right medical records if you arrive. When I spoke with Carl Hackbarth in Greendale, he said, what if I had an allergy and sure, I got, yeah. they had, were looking at someone else's records and they didn't know that I had that. So that's partly why he was concerned. He wanted to make sure the right records were there if he ever went to the hospital. I did not get a clear explanation. Lifeline billing, which was 
involved with the ambulance providers bill, they sent us a, a statement saying they immediately acted upon hearing about this issue. They take it very seriously. They've taken the steps to make sure it doesn't happen again. And they did apologize for any um, frustration that this had caused and any stress. This is why people call contact six, because you make that reach out and they say, whoa, we take this seriously. We apologize and we fixed it. Prior to reaching out to you, he wasn't really getting any resolution. Uh, I wonder how often that is the experience people have, especially with medical billing issues, that you sort of get lost in the bureaucracy of it all, and it's hard to get a resolution. There are certain cases where I know Contact 6 can be very effective. If you asked Carl Hackbarth and Greendale whether this was an easy case to resolve, he would say no. But the moment I saw it, I knew it would be a pretty easy case to resolve if his theory was correct uh, because we have a history of working with hospitals and with billing providers and we have contacts that we regularly work with and i i know at aurora they take it seriously when we have an issue not this one we haven't had it before but when we've had medical billing issues they've always looked into them before it really tells you the power of having those contacts and, and that relationship of trust they know the the thoroughness of your research they know that if you bring it to them there's something they, they they may really need to look into well they're familiar with our process and how it works there are a lot of um cell phone providers and appliance uh, co companies that deal with us regularly, all sorts of um, different areas where we are typically contacting businesses. And yeah, it, it helps when you can just cut through the customer service clutter, right? You make phone call after phone call, you could transfer it around. Maybe people don't understand when your issue is a little bit complicated. There's usually an extra layer of complication to whatever people are reaching out to us about. And it might require a supervisor or maybe someone at the very top to look at it and figure it out. But it might just be a little too hard for the person who's just answering phones and doing their best on the customer service side to figure I, out. I know this isn't unique to Carl Hackbarth. It has happened to others, not necessarily through these uh, companies, but our, our uh, one of the people on our assignment desk here at Fox 6, his mom keeps getting mm -hmm. notifications that she's dead and she's not dead. Right. Uh, and, and so, you know, it hasn't affected her financially, but of course she's concerned about, you know, that mix-up continuing. Name mix-ups and identity mix-ups do happen. Short of reaching out to Contact 6 in a situation like this, what do you do if you start getting a bill for someone with your name and you go, that's not me? Well, I think Carl Hackparth took a lot of the right steps. He, he contacted all the billing providers. He contacted the hospital. And usually that's enough. But when it's not, we tell people, well, we, they can try Contact 6, but they can also try, uh, you could try DATCAP, the Department of Agriculture, Trade, and Consumer Protection. You could try the OIC, the Office of the Insurance Commissioner in Wisconsin, if it's an insurance-related issue. You could always try the Better Business Bureau if that's something that applies to your situation. I don't know about medical billing for them, but if you're having issues with an appliance or something like that, or a, a you know a small business, that would be a good way to go. But I think those two state agencies are another a good option for people because these entities pay attention to the state complaints because they they want to be on good graces. With the I think the part that gets unnerving for a lot of people is the moment when it's the debt collector who's calling mm -hmm. because now there's a concern this is going to affect me far beyond this one bill. Yeah, we've looked into debt collector issues and we've resolved a few as well. Well, I think that's a good time for us to go off the record. This is the part of the podcast where we get a little more casual and have a little fun by answering a question for which we have not prepared. And Sarah is out this week. So 
we welcome Kale Zimney into the podcast to ask us whatever question or questions he has in mind. What do you have going today, Kale? Okay, here it is. If you had a magic box that you could bring back one inanimate object from your life that you no longer have, what would it be? One inanimate object. So not a person, not a pet, an object. A thing. Something you could bring back. Oh, boy. I can go first. Yeah, you're going to have to because this one's going to take some thinking. I had one of the original Power Wheels Jeeps. (laughs) <laughs> and that was probably one of my most like favorite things I ever battery had. operated. Yep, kind of, I okay. sat in it and rode it up and down. I think I rode it so much that I, you know, the wheels were plastic. That they were had holes in them. That was probably if I could have that and somehow fit into it, I would want that. I was always jealous of the kids who had the the power, you know, battery powered cars and jeeps and other things. Oh, we yeah. never had one of those. I never but had one. We did either. have the big wheel, and uh, honestly, the big wheel was we had a hill outside my house. So mm-hmm. you take the big wheel. Full speed down the hill and then pull the brake and spin and oh, it was that was fun. I so I'd almost say big wheel, but that's not the one. I got to think about this. Do you have something? That- I'm not that immediately comes to mind. I know that I think about my daughter who had lost a deer stuffed animal at one point. Oh sure, yeah. And it was an it was kind of an antique in a way because it was something from my my husband's childhood. And I I think I told you this story, Brian. Personally, I paid. A lot of money on eBay <laughs> for the only other one I could find, just so that we had it. And she, did eventually, you try, we did, we you did find to, the other one eventually. Did you try to present it as the original? Oh, I, or I, I did. You did? Oh, did it work? Yes, she believed it. Because it had been like three months since she'd seen it. So I think that any little any, details that were different. It's been through a lot. Yeah, yeah, I think I paid something like 80 bucks for this little stuffed thing. I'm not going to say $80 for your child's happiness right. seem like a small price. If, if that would have been the thing in the box if I hadn't found another one. There are no more on the internet. That was the only wow. one I could find. I was really lucky there was one one there. But, I mean, that would have been it. But I don't have anything that, like, I was really attached to as you know, a kid. I'll t- I think I know what it might be because my first thought was my original Atari 2600. But I still have it. And it still works. Yeah. And it's sitting gathering dust somewhere right now. But every so often I'll get it out and my son and I will play old Atari games and he likes it because it's retro Mm -hmm. um, and and thinks that's cool. I like it because it takes me back to childhood. But because I still have that, what I actually think about is the first computer we ever had in our family was a Commodore 64. And I learned how to do basic programming on that. And we played very simple games that were, you know, monochromatic and and very basic. But um, that was that was my introduction to the world of computing long before computers were really uh, common in households. And and that was that was something I spent a lot of time on as a kid. So I would say the Commodore 64. Man, I wouldn't mind having one of those original cell phones that we kept in the car. Those big the fat bag, ones, like the bag phone, like the Zac Efron the, phone, the the, it, the big the brick, the phone. brick yeah, phone. Sure. I don't think we have that anymore. It, my parents, I don't think they have it. But man, that would be fun to show our kids someday. Just the size of our I will, original cell phone. I will tell you that one of my uh, still in my career greatest memories of a breaking news situation, one of the greatest live moments on television, actually involved a brick phone. Really, back in 1998, I think it was. I was in Des Moines, Iowa, and there was a a four-day standoff uh, domestic violence situation where there was a a man holed up in the house with two young children. And so for four days, they were, you know, he's in there with a gun with his kids and they're watching the house. And finally, on the last day, they come outside and the tactical unit engages live on the air. uh, We're live on the air as this all happens. 
and it happened to be that the only way to let the newsroom know all of this was about to happen was to hop on the brick phone mm-hmm. and call them and tell them. And, uh, and and we got live on the air just in time. We were the only station. But I still remember desperately trying to punch those buttons and get that call over the brick phone like it was, you know, a spy phone or something. And, and we, we got the communication back. Obviously, no cell phones back then other than something like that. That's amazing. I remember early on using the map books in the car. Oh, sure. Yeah. Gosh, those things. were. And there were one or two pages that were completely worn and being torn Mm -hmm. out because they were the central city and the rest of the book was pristine and clean. It was I was the worst navigator. I'm so glad (laughs) GPS came along. Yeah, it was a lot harder to do that if you're driving alone. So you can passenger flipping through telling you where to go. But yeah, Yeah, I was a terrible passenger. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, I can't find where this page starts and this one ends and where they match up. But yeah, I guess, Kale, was it mostly just toys that you liked as a kid that you would bring back? You know, yeah, probably. I could say my first BMX bike, it was a green mongoose. It had the pegs. It had the the gyro in the middle that you could spin the handlebars around. I think (laughs) I would bring that back and ride that around right now. I'm imagining you now. Were you like, right? Did you, I don't know then, did they have like the, 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 you know, the skate parks and bike parks and things like that? Were you doing that? Oh, no. No, (laughs) I definitely was not doing skate parks. I was... Well, right into your friends' houses. When in my aggressive rollerblading days, <laughs> we would find a a nice bike rack. You know, you could grind down the bike. Right? It's you know three inches, four inches off the ground. You're not really risking much. So wow. <laughs> I feel like uh, someone ought to hear this, possibly Mrs. Kale Zimney, and and uh, there's a Christmas present waiting. I say that all the, the time. I well, it's not rollerblades. I say, hey, should we buy skateboards? And then she's always, no, absolutely not. No, because that will land you uh, somewhere with an ambulance ride, and then you'll have to call Contact 6 about the bill. If you have a topic you would like us to discuss on Open Record or an issue you think we should investigate for Fox 6 News, send us an email to fox6investigators at fox.com. Jenna, thanks for being on the podcast. Of course. Kale, thanks for the uh, reminiscence and the you know trip down memory lane with your question. As always, thank you to the people who make this podcast possible, including our executive producer, Sarah Smith, our editor, Dave Machuda, and of course, chief photographer Manning, the video switcher, Kale Zimney. With that, I'm Brian Polson, and we'll be back next week.